handle the truth. Hey, everybody. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome back to the Thomas Freeme TV and podcast show. I'm Thomas Freeme. How you guys doing? I pray that you guys are blessed, safe, comfortable, tuned in, and ready for a, a great topic, man. This is a very important topic that we got going on tonight. So please feel free to chime in. Um, make sure that you like, make sure that you subscribe. If you can share the link to get more viewers in on this discussion, please feel free to do so. It's much appreciated. I do this for you. You know, I bring this information to the public, we the people, so that we can we can grow stronger with education and knowledge and knowing, uh, you know, that we're, we're getting to the root of the issues. For me, on a side note, as, as a founder of Coming Home Coalition, www.cominghomecoalition.com, I had a very important meeting today with uh, Mr. Rocky Brancato, who is running for public defender right here in, in the Hillsborough County area. Um, we established a pretty good rapport, a pretty good relationship. And, uh, you know, the main goal is for me to to provide an open door here at the office for this for for the public defender's office and and likewise as well so that we can communicate you know we can communicate and just try to resolve some of the issues that lie within the public defender's office the issues that lie within the community the gap in between those two so hopefully a lot of good will come from that and Today's topic, you know, when is the death penalty warranted? So what I'm going to get into here now is show you a few little clips from today's uh, sentencing proceedings uh, dealing with Nicholas Cruz, who was the Parkland shooter. Uh, four years ago, this individual ran through uh, this high school and shot 17 people, killed 17 people, coaches, um, teachers. And uh, students, students, he pled out to the charge and, uh, the, you know, they, they had a hearing to determine life or death. And the jury came back uh, with a sentence of life based upon, you know, his, his upbringing, the, the mental capacity of, of this kid and, uh, you know, just a tough life so to say. So the, the parents are outraged. Let's just get into a couple of their comments today. Murdering bastard that took my daughter's life has benefited from the grace and protections of every system our society offers. He should now be placed in a correctional facility where he is forced to interact without those protections. The misguided jury thought prisoner 089-3407 was failed by society. To be clear, the system, schools, mental health professionals, law enforcement, and now the justice system failed my daughter Gina, her classmates, and her teachers. She should have been protected at her school from the monster sitting here. 
with no less than uh, see six BSO deputies as he enjoys the protection of his rights in this courtroom. I applaud the court and the prosecution team for following the ideals of our justice system as the evil murderer enjoyed a fair trial. I don't believe the case was fair to the victims. The court allowed the defense to show every aspect a prisoner 809-3407's life prior to the execution of Gina and her classmates. Pictures showing his smiling face while at the same time claiming life was so tough it justified the mass murder of innocent students and teachers. <laughs> you had in your head enjoyment. Listen to me, defender. Enjoyment. While killing my son, Joaquin Oliver, and coming back to him to blow his brain out and splattering his blood all over. This is the recognition you wish it for. Your living hell is about to get started. It's a great pain that only I feel to go from a younger brother to an only child in less than six hours is a dramatic change for anyone. Every day, I wish I could come home and see her again. Every day, I wish this had never happened. Every day, I wish I had said goodbye like I should have. While this reality I now live in is an unfortunate truth, an even more unfortunate truth is that this country has forgotten who the victim is. The murderer is not a victim of drinking during pregnancy. He is not a victim of mental health issues. He is a murdering bastard that should be made an example by being sentenced to death. He shouldn't live while my sister rots in the grave. The jury has failed the families, the victims. It's a great pain that only I feel. So, I mean, we can, we can absolutely understand the anger and the vengeance that, that is in these human beings now. And me personally, I mean, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to be in the same room with this person. There, there'd be absolutely no way that I could, I could look over at the person that was responsible for taking my kin's life. You know, it just... I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be sane in that fashion. So if I was to react vengefully, murderously in that fashion, would that warrant the death penalty for me? So we get into trying to understand where does the death penalty really warrant itself. Now, this is a family who whose life is altered. Everybody's lives altered that day. Everybody, including uh, Nicholas Cruz. And we get into understanding that we know... Let me fix the screen so you guys can see. 
we know that the brain is not fully developed until the age of 25. Now, is that an excuse? It's, it's hard to make that, that determination. You know, it's, it's, it's hard because if the brain is not complete until the near age of 25, this refers specifically to the development of the prefrontal cortex, an algorithmic diagram illustrating the management. Okay, so what is the prefrontal cortex? Prefrontal cortex plays a central role in cognitive control functions and dopamine in the F and the PFC modulates cognitive control, thereby influencing attention, impulse inhibition, perspective memory, and cognitive flexibility. We scroll down a little bit. What are the five functions of the prefrontal cortex? Scroll up a little so you guys can see. Scroll up, I said. There we go. Okay. Role of the prefrontal cortex, the five functions. Focusing one's attention, predicting the consequences of one actions, anticipating events in the environment, impulse control, managing emotions, emotional reactions, planning for the future, coordinating and adjusting complex behaviors. Now, as of a recent ruling in 2016, because of these findings scientifically, when it comes to understanding the function of the brain, its development as it goes into adolescence and, and, and adulthood, reflecting back on my life, uh, the decisions I was making at that time, um, and so on and so forth. The Supreme Court ruled that it is unconstitutional to sentence juvenile children to life. It's unconstitutional. This is where we got the influx of uh, individuals that have gotten out. And these individuals have been making great strides in the community. Let me just throw a side note in there. Um, one of them is, is, uh, is, is um, Demetrius Knuckles Eel that I have on my show on Thursday nights, you know, so you can tune in for that. He is a juvenile lifer that was released under this, this 2016 ruling. But going back to the prefrontal cortex, understanding that this kid, when he did these actions was, I think 18 or 19, again, not excusing the behavior, but just understanding how these things happen. Now, as, as it went on, it started to uncover his his uh, mental history, um, his childhood, you know, coming up, things of that nature. We just get into the question as to where does the line stop when we're going to sentence up another human being to death? Essentially, what we're doing is we are agreeing to end another person's life, and there's. There's accountability in that, and there's responsibility in that, and it's not something to just be made emotionally without understanding why, the how, um, things of that nature. Because again, in itself, at the end of the day, the, the tragedy it was, lives were lost, 
but it was still an experience. And it's an experience to be learned from because as um as my show from last Thursday night and I'll continue on, why are our teenagers doing the things that they're doing? Why are they committing these atrocities? Why are they killing themselves? Why are our teenagers doing what they're doing? We have to figure this out. Because sooner or later, at the rate that it's going, it's going to touch one of us. It's touched my family. It's touched many families that I know. It's, it's there. So where does the line stop? I have uh, some fast facts here. The history of the death row. But most notably, I mean, you guys can Google and, and see this stuff. But uh, this is actually deathpenaltyinfo.org. So, reading some stats, death penalty, yes. Number of executions since 1976, we've had 99. Uh, Number of executions before 1976 has been 347. We have current population of 330, with three of those being women. Number of clemencies granted, six. And so on and so forth. And there's histories on this here, such and such. Now, getting into a little bit of what is going on with this particular instance and what the outcry is coming from the parents is this decision right here. Before this decision was made, Hearst versus Florida, the judge had the power to overrule the jury when it came to life or death. So in essence, the jury's verdict was uh, more advisory. It was just an advisory of what and how the jury felt, which is moot in that process if the judge can overturn it. So before 2016, a judge could say, uh, according to guidelines that they had to follow, prongs and such, they could overturn the jury's recommendation to sway either way. They could overturn a death. The judge could say, in, in, this, in this instance, we give life, and, and so on and so on. So, Hearst versus Florida was a ruling that came down January 12th, 2016, that stripped that power from the judge and put the power back into the people's hands where it belongs. That's where it belongs. This is the importance of jury duty. I'm going to start getting into the importance of jury duty, but it this is jury duty is one of the biggest responsibilities that we have as American citizens. This is a process that every American citizen should take seriously, not take uh, with emotion, but these are human beings' lives. And whether whether you have the ability to separate yourself from the incident at hand and be surgical in, in your approach to jury duty, then you have to remove yourself from that. That is your responsibility. That is protecting our Constitution and making sure that this system works. We are trying to get when I say we, I mean criminal justice advocates, uh, people like me. We are trying to get the power back into the jury's hands.
hands. This is what was what what was important when Brooks, Daryl Brooks up in Wisconsin, was talking about arguing with the judge over ju- jury nullification and what the jury can know and what they cannot know. And whatever you think about Brooks, aside from that, his brilliance in raising that on the record in front of the cameras and having that judge respond to that, it, it was it was masterful because it exposed a lot of things, right? Notably, that even though the jury has the power, they are not to know that. So you as a juror are going in not knowing that you have this power of nullification. And what nullification means is that you as the juror can stand up at any time and say, and recommend that this process be nullified because you don't agree with it, or however, whatever your reasoning is, that courtroom is in your power. This is why they rise for you. When the jury comes in, even the judge gets up. This is a process. This is the reason, because the jury is we the people. That is the function of the Constitution. This man's life, this woman's life is being put in your hands to make an accurate determination by our Constitution of America to make a judgment upon this person. That is the responsibility. And the reason why that responsibility is so egregious is because it could be your child. It could be you up on that stand on a whim. The way this system is today You could be thrown up on that stand on a whim. And that is why it's important for all of us to make sure that this system operates. And it's my responsibility as to knowing the ins and outs of what this system is, is is to get out and to make sure that that power goes to our hands, that that power is in our hands. And that is what has happened on January 12th, 2016. The power went back to the jury's hands to determine life or death. And the judge cannot override that. And in this case, Nicholas Cruz, the Parkland shooter, the jury found, three of the jurors anyhow, found that due to the lifestyle, his, his, you know, his, his mental capacity, um, they decided that life was was sufficient. At the end of the day, these people have to sleep with with their decision. That's that's why I say that when when we're so quick to wish somebody dead, right? When we're so quick to wish somebody dead, we have to understand the difference between vengeance, emotions, and and repercussions. Because you wishing somebody dead is the same as you pulling the trigger. If something was to happen to that person, there's no difference. Because what's to say if you had the gun in your hand, you wouldn't have shot them. Look how, look how, look how these parents were. Do you think that if they caught this man in, in, a, in a room, this kid in a room, that they wouldn't shred him to pieces? So where does the line stop? Where does it stop? Nicolas Cage murdered because he felt vindictive. He felt vengeance, you know, uh, upon multiple other reasons. But 
that day he felt vengeance, and now the public feels vengeance, and now they want to kill. Where does it stop? When does it end? Where does understanding begin? Now, do I oppose the death penalty? I, I, I can't say that I do. I cannot say that I do, and I can say that I'm more I for I than I am anything else. I feel like we should have, you know, public, public trials in the community. Because who else knows these individuals better than the community themselves? You know, this is what they were trying to, to replicate with the, with the court system. But that all went haywire. So, do I believe in a death penalty? I, I do. But when it comes down to the function of how do I determine who gets death and who gets life, I can't answer that. Because I've been incarcerated with people that had life sentences. And I've been incarcerated with people who had death sentences that came up off them and switched over to life. These were good people. You know, at the end of the day, they were good people who just did not, they didn't understand. When I would sit here and have conversations with them, their level of understanding was just diminished. You know, they, they couldn't comprehend certain normal humancies, I guess. And I really don't know how to determine where that came from. I'm not a doctor or anything like that. You know, it's just it's just seeing these people that know that they're broken and have succumbed to the fact in their minds that they cannot be fixed. So when we're out in public and, and we've come to this, this conclusion, and no matter at what age... I mean, I've thought like that. I've thought many times that I couldn't be fixed. I still, you know, I still deal with depression. You know, I still go into, in, into depression for two or three days and, and just have, man, defeatist thoughts, you know. And I have to pull myself out of that. And I do that with truth, you know, truth. I learned in prison how to deal with self-truth. And I don't hide from it now, you know. I, I, I embrace it and I try to understand it. So when I, when I delve into this darkness, why? Why am I here? I'm depressed, there's no question. So why? Why am I here? What keeps irking at me to put me here? And what's triggering me to put me here? So I can avoid these things and I can understand them. It's these individuals that for whatever reason, they just don't have that capacity to think on this level to self-assess. And like so many individuals, I'm warning people, again, this is what my podcast is about, you know, I'm warning people that Americans specifically are living in a state of emotions, right? We are in constant emotions, firing off constant all the time, all the time. And when we are in an emotional state all the time, not only does, does that stress eat away at our, our body, in our mind, but it, it puts us in dangerous situations because when we are in an emotional state, we are not thinking cognitively. We are reacting. We're reacting to these situations. And when there's no guidance, there's no borders, there's nobody to, to snap us up out of that, who knows where the mind can go? And if you're dealing with chemical imbalances, that mind can go very deep. 
So what are we doing, America? What are we doing? Are we going to continue to show our children that it's okay to be vindictive to the point of taking another human's life on certain extents? I'm not arguing against it. I'm just asking with you because I have these thoughts as well. You know, so these are discussions that we have to have fundamentally and, and critically, you know, not emotionally. What we saw today with the statements from these parents were, were emotional statements. And of course, who, who couldn't understand that? But does it make it right? Sentencing people to death. I would have to ensure that there was nothing contributable out of this human being. There's no question that this human being gave up all rights to their life. They have now sacrificed their life to human study, to whatever. I'm definitely game for that. There, you, you, if you have taken another life that you didn't even have any business in creating, first and foremost, but you find it in yourself that you can take another human life, then you have sacrificed your life. I agree with that. To die and eradicate the spirit, I don't know. And that's simply because I believe in God. I believe uh, that I just don't have that right to decide that. And I believe that life is much wiser than me. It's been here longer than I have. It's more experienced than I have. I'm a function of life. And I believe that life can handle itself in that fashion. And I am not to try to force life in any kind of way. I just have to sit back and let life be life and make determinations in my control of how to function within that. That's all I can do. I can't determine if somebody lives or dies. And I would never want to be in that, that position because it would be very hard for me because I can understand either way. I can understand vengeance. Trust me, believe me, I can understand vengeance. And I can understand forgiveness. So, when does it end? Who makes that determination? You know, the executioner here in Florida gets paid $150. He's a private citizen, remains anonymous, and he gets paid $150 to, to, to kill somebody. He's the executioner. And I wonder how he deals with that in his own mind, this man, human being. This is a human being who gets up in the morning, gets dressed, probably eats breakfast or whatever his little morning routine is, and he goes down knowing that he's got an execution scheduled today. He's the executioner. So I wonder how this particular human being resolves that within his mind, that when he leaves there that day, he killed somebody. I'm sure he justifies it in his mind that it was, it was legal, of course. It was warranted. He probably sees and views all the negative aspects. I'm sure he's, he's aware of, of who he's killing. I would hope so. 
I would hope that if one man was taking another man's life um critically in that fashion, you know, it, it, he he would he would know who he was diminishing. So I just wonder. And he gets a hundred and fifty dollars. $150 to kill, kill. So where does it end? And how does our children reflect on that? How do they view that? Do they view that in a fashion that it's okay to kill in certain situations? When somebody has harmed me to the point to where I feel that it's okay to be vindictive, that I want this person dead, then I, I can do it. Because America does it. The public does it. We agree with it. So why can't I do it? These are questions that we have to come together, you know, as a community. And and ask ourselves, honestly, truthfully, this person that you want dead, this Nicholas Cruz, you know, can you do it? Could you could you do it? Could you look this man in his eyes? As he died, I could. If that was my child, I absolutely would be there. I would be, my face would be in the glass. I would make sure that his eyes, I would be the last person he saw before he felt whatever was running through his body. But could you? Before we make determinations and, and, in, and inflict vengeance or wish vengeance on somebody else at somebody else's hands, we have to ask ourselves, can I do it? Can I do that? The only reason why I can't do it because I'm not physically there. So yes, please, you do it. But can I do it? Because if you can, and that, and that was to happen, that is something that you have to live with for the rest of your life. It's, it doesn't leave you. You can't forget about it. Time does not heal that. That will always sit with you in the pit of your stomach. It doesn't go anywhere. You see it in your sleep. You think about it. Anytime any, any kind of conversation comes up, it's there. It's in your conscience. So we'll, we'll soon find out. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head when the date resides, but we will find out when Nicholas Cruz uh, gets sentenced, how much he gets sentenced to. I mean, life is life. It doesn't matter if it's 100 years or 300 years, you know, unless you're just dealing with, with appeals, which that's all they're concerned about at this time, because I'm sure they they don't want the, the, the kid to get off. Can you imagine this family, if this kid was to win his appeal and get out? There'd be mayhem. So, I mean, these are my thoughts. These are my opinions. Please leave comments on how you feel about it, if you can understand what I'm saying. Please, like I say, there's no right or no wrong. This is this is a conversation of Americans. This is so this is this is something that we have to come to. You know, this is our responsibility. We the people, not red, not not legislators to figure it out, not Joe Biden, none of these people. This is our responsibility to have these discussions and hear each other out and figure it out. And then we tell the representatives this is what we want we want the death penalty and we want the judge to override it or we don't but we can't leave it up to the legislators because they they don't know what the hell's going on man these people aren't in tune with our communities 
Thank you guys for tuning in tonight. Um, please again visit www.cominghomecoalition.com and see how you can help us maintain growth. That's the main thing, growth. I'm doing everything that I can day in and day out to try to get plugged in to the community in different aspects. But I need also the community to come behind support. Even if you just give a dollar a month, a dollar a month can help tremendously when it's a group of people. And again, this is why I named the foundation that I did, Coming Home Coalition. It's a coalition. It's all of us together. I'm building this for the people. I'm helping any way that I can for the people. This is for the poor communities. I know we broke, but we can do a dollar a month. So if you can, if you can do it, do it. You can help out also by just spreading the word, sharing, you know, liking the videos, sharing them, letting people out on the street know, hey, man, listen, tune into this show, the Thomas Free Me TV and podcast show. He's really, really doing good things. It's an open discussion platform. He'll bring you on the show if you got some issues. Check him out. Subscribe, support him because he's for the people, you know, and and that's what it's about. So I love you guys. Stay safe, stay blessed, and let's come together, man. Let's unite. Let's stop killing each other in the communities. Let's get our innocent people out of prison, and let's change and take control of our country back. God bless you guys. I love you, and I am out of here. Peace. Take care.